You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And today is the 23rd day of June 2021. Call in number is 917-889-8827. Kim, can you push one? I want to see if when you push one. Okay. Yeah, I know. Just push one on your phone. I just want to see if... um, Actually, I'm going to mute you. I'm just doing a test here. Okay, mute me and I'll do it again. Okay, you're muted. Okay, that's what I thought. It, um, when you push one, it actually brings you up to the top of the list. 
which is nice because there are 50 lines available for people yep, yep. to call in. Uh-huh. And um, it's nice because when you push one, it brings you up to just under the host line. And that way I can see that somebody has a question or a comment. Um, okay, so today we're going to be reading Chapter 15 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5. There are three chapters after this, I think. And then we'll be done with Volume 5 and we'll get into Volume 6. But uh, this chapter is entitled, Where Has Zion Fled? I'll dedicate the program real quick, and then Emmett is going to be reading tonight. Our Father in Heaven, we come before Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. We dedicate this time unto Thee that we may learn of our awful situation and the rejection of the church as Thou has made aware, made us aware in section 24 of the Doctrine and Covenants. We love Thee, Father, and we seek to come out of the rejected church and to be Zion's people, that Zion might be redeemed and that we might be tools in thine hands. We ask thee to bless us at this time and bless the listeners, and we ask for these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, Emmett, go ahead. Okay. Um. We are on page 216 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 5, um, in End Time to the Nations, by Ogden Kraut, Volume 2. That's what I'm reading out of. Uh, we are on Chapter 15, Where Has Zion Fled? For a voice of wailing is heard out of Zion, how are, how are we spoiled? We are greatly confounded, because we have forsaken the land. Jeremiah 8, 19. What conditions result when true prophets are no longer found on the earth? What happens to the Zion that God's prophets have encouraged the saints to establish for thousands of years? Zion is lost. Failure to create a Zion was constantly repeated in ancient Israel. Worldly influences have had a powerful effect upon those church and political leaders who should have led the people away from the influences of Babylon. So the Lord hath caused the solemn feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion, and hath despised in the indignation indignation of his anger the king and priest. The king and the priest. Uh, L-A-M? I don't know what that one is. 2-6. There was no divine intervention to prevent them from leading the people astray. Kings, priests, and prophets fell into temptation and were overcome, and they lost their Zion. It is written in the Book of Mormon that the laborer in Zion shall labor for Zion. For if they labor for many, they shall perish. 2 Nephi 26, uh, 31. Nephi was not just talking to common folks, but leaders who were supposed to labor to build up Zion. The Lord has instructed, And your whole labor shall be in Zion, with all your soul from henceforth. B and C 30, 11. We are on page 217. Anything to say, anyone? Yeah, um, oh, I'm coming into Farron here. Let me think. There was something I wanted to say. Um, you know, so Enoch had to dwell with those people for a long time before Zion was redeemed among them. 
And then they were just taken up off the earth. But in Genesis chapter 9 of the Joseph Smith translation, it says that there must be a people who will live all that God has commanded. And then when that happens, Zion will be redeemed on the earth and the church of the firstborn will come down out of heaven. And uh, that has to happen in order for Adam and Andiamon to happen because the church of the firstborn is the church with all the resurrected individuals that have to go to that great sacrament meeting. Um, that has to happen in order for Jesus to return. And if, Jesus, if that doesn't happen, then the whole earth is cursed when he comes because they're just, we're just destroyed. So, um, let's see here. And like we we just make excuses today about how we don't want to live all that God has commanded because that was for another time and another people. And uh, people that do that, that what they're doing is they're contradicting Scripture, the instructions given to us in the Scriptures. Um, also, the the whole idea with the, the feasts and festivals, the times and seasons, that in section 124 was supposed to be part of uh, what happened at the temple in Nauvoo if they were obedient in building it, but they didn't finish it. And the glory of God never came down upon that temple like it came down um, on the, the Kirtland Temple. You know, God tried, he's been trying to get us to be obedient. But because of the disobedience of the saints in Nauvoo and the fact that they didn't even have United Orders, they were just like dragging their feet, you know, they're doing their social club thing. Um, The temple wasn't finished and the fullness of the priesthood was never given to the people. And if that would have happened, there was a whole bunch of things that were supposed to happen. For one, God would have fought our battles for us and we would not have been removed from our place which it talks about in section 124, but we were removed from our place. Um, He did not fight our battles for us. And, uh, you know, uh, all of the things that Jesus said would happen if if we were able to finish the temple, none of that happened. One of the things that he said would happen is that he would restore the times and seasons or the holy days, Moedim in Hebrew, of Jehovah. So we celebrate holidays now that are laced with paganism. And, and God has actually asked us not to mingle ourselves with paganism or with, with the other like false religions of the earth. So when the Catholic Church hijacked early Christianity, um, well, they mingled themselves. And that was something that they were told not to do, but they did it anyway. Because the Romans didn't care anything about Zion's redemption or the truth of the early church. They just, you know, Satan used them to take over the kingdom uh, that was going into apostasy in part. But, um, and they did away with the correct Sabbath. They did away with the, the holy days of Jehovah, which are high and holy Sabbath, annual Sabbath which are separate from the weekly Sabbath. And Jesus said that those things would be restored if the temple had been restored, but we still don't live them. Now, there are groups that are starting to pop up that do live 
the holy days. They do try to keep them. They uh, observe them, the Feast of, you know, Tabernacles, the Feast of Atonement, First Fruits, Shavuot, or Passover, the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, you know. But, um, and it's good, but um, part of the thing that Jesus said in Section 124 of the Doctrine and Covenants is, all they who hinder this work, which the saints did do, that's why it wasn't, the temple wasn't finished. They hindered the work, dragging their feet, stealing the lumber for the temple to build other things. Um, well, he said, all they who do these things will be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which is interesting because from the time the prophecy was given, January of 1841, until Joseph was taken in June of 1844. Uh, if you go out four generations, which if you take Moses in the wilderness for one generation, which is what, you know, that, which is a measurement of time that we can go into the scriptures and find, that would be 40 years. Four generations was 160 years. 160 years from the time the the revelation was given was January of 2001 and 160 years of four generations from the time the prophet was taken from us was um, June of, eight, uh, of 2004. Now, it's interesting because um, Jesus said, well, Daniel, let me think here. Uh, I, I hate it when I'm driving and trying to do the programs. I do like doing the programs, but um, if you take four gener- uh, three to four generations between 120 to 160 years, you go out to 2004, and, oh, it was Isaiah that talked about the one mighty and strong coming among the drunkards of Ephraim, and his job would be to teach they who had been weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. That was his, one of his main duties in section 85, the one mighty and strong, who is the same person, uh, is supposed to set the house of God in order and to, uh, to issue out the inheritances, the fathers and the children and, and all of that. Well, there's a sign to look for in, Isaiah chapter 28 and it's right in the first part of Isaiah chapter 48 it talks about waves heaving themselves beyond their bounds that's a sign to look for if you go back to 2004 shortly after the end of the cursed time you're going to uh, look and what the major event that happened that year was the 9.6 earthquake in the Indonesian area in the Indian Ocean and waves heaving themselves beyond their bounds. 250,000 people died that day, and millions were left homeless because of the destruction of the tsunami. That was the sign for the coming of the one mighty and strong. Now, if you go back just a little bit, uh, 1995 is when God called me up to himself spiritually in the temple in Salt Lake and told me that I would be the last prophet and uh, I wasn't, I was uh, Baptist at the time. I wasn't going to church at all. I, well, I think I was going to the Baptist church. 
but um, I hated the Mormons. Um, but in 96, I met the missionaries and had a conversion experience where I know for a fact that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. Um, I asked God to show me the truth and to heal me, and I would serve him for the rest of my life, and he did. He healed me completely in an instant. And uh, when I asked God if the Book of Mormon was true and if Joseph was a true prophet, the Holy Spirit came down on me like fire. That's when I was healed. So that happened in 96. In 97, I went and got my endowments out in the temple, preparing to go on a mission. And before that, I got my patriarchal blessing. And in my patriarchal blessing, it says that I have been given the greatest gift that God has to bestow, the gift of eternal life. Later, I asked a stake president and a stake patriarch what that meant. And they said that it meant that I had my calling and election made sure, which really confused me. So then I asked, I kept asking, well, what does that mean to have your calling and election made true? And I studied everything I could about it. And uh, I was like, okay, well, this is what all of these people have said, but what does God say? So I would ask God. And as I was asking him, I, um, I was caught up in the flesh, and I was taken up to uh, a meadow at the base of a mountain, and I was told to... Uh, wash myself off in the in the little stream that was there. And so I've had a lot of out-of-body experiences, and I really like them, but this particular one, I could feel the breeze. I could feel the wetness and the coldness of the water. Um, it was a completely different kind of experience. And God said, look, and I looked, and there was a dirt pathway that led up the side of this mountain. He said, follow the path. And I walked, and I walked a long time. I climbed this mountain, and at the top of this bare mountain, um, it was pretty bare. It was in a lot of trees. But at the top, there was a tree line. I went into the forest, and then when I was in the forest, as I was walking, I went into a clearing, and there was a small temple. So this was in 2003. I think this is before the mini temples. But anyway, it looked like one of these mini temples that you see sometimes. And I went into that temple, and I took my shoes off, and I went into that place, and I saw a whole bunch of really neat things in that place. It was beautiful. And there was light. The Shekinah glory of God was all around that temple. And I went into the Holy of Holies, part of the veil, and went into this room, and the power of God was just overwhelming in that room. And I saw a light at the other end of the room, and when I walked into the glory of that light, I saw a man standing there. And when I got closer, I saw that it was my Father in heaven. I knew exactly who it was when I saw him. It was not Jesus. Now, Jesus had taken me into the Salt Lake Temple, and led me into the presence of the Father in 95. But in nine, uh, 2003, when I saw the Father, I fell on my face before him, and he told me to get up, and he opened his arms to me, and I embraced him in the flesh. And he told me to kneel down, and I asked him what he was doing, and he said, I'm filling you up unto myself. So I kneeled down before him, and he filled me up unto himself, and he did some other things at that point. 
giving me the keys to the kingdom and the priesthood. But at that time, I didn't know that. I didn't actually know that until 2003 because when he put his hands on my head, there was light emanating from me. And it was like this overwhelming experience. And I just remember his hands on the back, top back of my head and looking down at my arms as they were shining with the glory of God that was flowing from him through me. And I was so distracted by that. I wasn't listening to what he was saying. And it wouldn't be until 2003 when I found out what he said, uh, because he allowed another individual to see this, to witness this thing happen. And he heard what he said, and then he told me, because I kept asking, what What did you say? I don't remember. I didn't. I wasn't listening. Anyway, so, and that, his name is Joshua Sparks. And, um, Kim, can you talk a little bit about what you thought when Joshua, when you first saw Joshua? Kim? Oh, it's actually oh my gosh, I thought I lost my phone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, where's my phone? And they're like, it's on the dash. I was wondering how close you were to me. I'm in Castle Belt. Okay. All right. Uh, well, when I um, – I didn't get to meet Joshua face-to-face, but I knew his voice when I uh, met him, and I felt well, like he saw was my brother. A, we yeah. saw him on a video chat because he yeah, lives video in Kentucky. Chat. Yeah, and I I remember feeling like, oh, man, I've known him forever. And uh, yep. I felt like he was my brother. I knew he was my brother. Yep. And yep. and you remember what he said about what he said, um, like with being in the, in the temple and being a witness to the father laying his hands on my head. I actually don't. Sorry. I don't remember okay. about that. I remember you talking about you don't it. Mem- so, and I'm okay. I'm honest, so I'm not gonna like say what I, you know, I That's believe fine. you, but I just wasn't yeah. on that phone well, call when, when you talked to him when about you asked, it. Yeah. When you asked God about my witness, because my wife, God told me who I am in 2013. Uh, he told me I was one mighty and strong. He showed me that there were actually 15 for this earth, and that I was among the last group that would come and that I was chosen from among the quorum of mighty and strong ones to take the place of the witness as God, the witness. And Kim has asked God if if that's true. And all Kim gets is a simple answer. And Kim, do you want to say what that answer is? Uh, So I was, well, actually, you and I were talking about it one day, and you were like, uh, I think you were complaining <laughs> about how nobody even asks. And he's like, you didn't even ask. Like, nobody even asks. They just either listen and say, oh, okay, that's nice, or they agree, and then they go off on their own way and and don't want to build Zion. Or, you know, you were having one of yeah. those days where you were feeling down. And he's like, you don't even ask. And then I was like, oh, I should ask. <laughs> so then I I did that night. Um, I prayed about it, and um, my answer was just really simple. Um, it was, those who trust in him need not fear. And I was like, okay, yeah. because it's really, that's why the whole um, story,
story of how we got together, the whole way that we met and everything, it is pertinent. It pertains to um, this whole thing because um, I do not trust any men. I never have. I do not trust them. However, I have been married to my husband for almost nine years, and I do trust him. I don't trust men generally because of all the stuff that I've been through in my whole life, but I do trust my husband, and I do trust God. And so that was really uh, an easy, perfect answer for me was just well, those who trust in him need not fear. Neither one of us were even looking to get married or anything. We were not interested. We were happy being single. You know, I was living in St. Petersburg, Florida. You were living in upstate New Hampshire. And um, God commanded us, two people who are complete strangers, God commanded us individually to, to be married. And actually, he told me to take you as a wife, but he told you to... Ease my burden and bear me children, which is interesting because as soon as yes, my first child was born, order. yeah. So Kim tells me, "Oh, God told me to bear you children." I was like, "I know. God told me to marry you or take you as my wife." And we're like, "Okay, well, I guess we should get to know each other." So we started skyping and getting to know each other. That was on May 28th or May 18th. I can't remember of 2012. And I remember and the first time month, I ever saw you. The first time yeah, I ever saw you, you up on laptop Are screen. you going to be my dad? <laughs> he was sick. Emmett was sick. He's 15 now. And he was like, Are you going to be my dad? dad? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so we, I flew up from Tampa International Airport up to New York and then transferred flights and flew up to Vermont. And met you for the first time on June 30th of 2012. And then we worked on things, and two weeks later, we were married. So anyway, but the only reason I bring all that up is because, you know, there is this one mighty and strong that's supposed to come. And, like, when my aunt received a revelation that I was that man, I was like, nope, you're getting your information from the devil because there's no way. And oh, then I God was like, because uh, you've talked about this before and I held my tongue. So okay. right before he had this conversation with his aunt, so we were joking around because we had met a lot of one mighty and strongs or, you know, people who think they're Jesus or, like, you know, very fun, characteristical kind of people. It was hilarious. And so we had so much fun with this. But we were talking about it, and I was like, it was, this was right before this happened, and I was like, next thing you know, you're going to think you're one mighty and strong. And he was like, oh, no, we're not, we're not riding that train. I'm not that crazy. And so he was like, that's not me. <laughs> And then this happened, yep. and he was yep. like, oh, great. And now then he was. Well, in January 2013, when I was crying about being excommunicated from the church, God came to me, and he said, kneel down before me and ask me who you are. And I was like, uh, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> who am I? And he showed me uh, the quorum of mighty and strong ones, was 12, and then... He told me that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were all so mighty and strong. And then after the rebellion of Lucifer, where he was uh, cast out with others who were mighty and strong, 
the father and the son left their platform in front of us, and they went down and uh, chose me to take the place of the witness for this earth. That's why I've seen him face to face. That's why I've embraced him in the flesh. Uh, which I was like, why in the world would that even happen to me? Like, before God told me who I was, before this happened, I was like, Joseph Smith didn't even get to embrace the Father. Why am I so special? But, like, years and years go by, and I'm, like, trying to figure these things out. Like, what in the world? Why did that happen to me? How's this all going to play out, you know? Anyway, so um, the Father showed me that I am the witness and that I am also one who is mighty and strong. And I even tried to, like, so there's two different places to talk about the one mighty and strong, section 85 and Isaiah 28. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm that one mighty and strong after God told me I was. But I think that Adam, I know he's mighty and strong, Michael Adam. And I was like, when the issues, the inheritance of the saints. And God actually, or Jesus actually corrected me, and he's like, no. You are that man to set the house of God in order. So when I was sealed up to the Father, I was made a link that uh, was done away with by Wilfred Woodruff, actually. Um, there was something called the law of adoption that he did away with. And instead of being sealed up to a line of being sealed man to man to Joseph Smith and then through Joseph Smith, to God, that link was severed, and they, they started just sealing people up to their fathers, which make all these little links that aren't connected to anything. So, and Joseph Smith said that you all have to be sealed up in a line back to the or back to Adam. Well, when I was sealed up to Father Adam, who is our father, um, under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim, I was made that link on the earth. And that's why, like, you could, I talk about how you can do all the things uh, to redeem Zion and be obedient 100%, but if you're not filled up to the link on the earth through the law of adoption, the house of God won't be set in order. That's why there's one man that does that, the one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, and that's why you've got all these, these groups that are doing all these things, like the Kingstons, the Alreds, the... FLDS, the AUB, all of these people, they try to live United Orders, they try to do all these things, but they have not, um, they are not connected through the link of the law of adoption to the one man on the earth that is filled up to the Father. Joseph Smith was that in his day. I am that now. I'm not Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was an Elias to prepare the foundation for Zion's redemption. Kim, I'm coming into Huntington. Am I meeting your hearts? No, just keep coming. You'll see me. I'm waiting for you. Turn around the corner to go deliver. Uh, oh, you're over by the car wash? Yep. Lydia's out of the car waiting for you. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll head that direction. Anyway, so, um, you know, this this thing about Zion being redeemed should be one of the most important things but they don't even hardly talk about it in the church. Also, my job is to teach. So in uh, Isaiah chapter 28, it says that he, speaking of the one mighty and strong, would teach they who are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast. Those people who are part of the drunkards of Ephraim, who are 
ready and prepared to receive the meat of the gospel. Well, the other ones, they, they look at the meat of the gospel as filth and vomit. Um, but those who are ready to receive these things, those are the people that I would teach. And the way God has had me do that is through this radio program and through social media, which Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori, he saw, he died in 2006, but he saw Jesus Christ. He was a rabbi. And uh, he also saw my life, but he said that I did not know who I was at that time. That was 2006. And he said that I would show up shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. So all these Christians were like, oh, Jesus is coming back. Even though there's all these things that are supposed to happen before Jesus comes back and they had not yet been fulfilled. But (laughs) I've got these kids walking across the road at the only stoplight in Emory County and they're running backwards looking and I think they're laughing at me. I'm at the red light. Anyway, but um, Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori saw that I would come on the scene shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon. Now, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that until after Ariel Sharon died. But it's interesting because my first radio show was um, that I was the host of was January of 2014, shortly after the death of Ariel Shrom. And these Christians, they're like, oh, that means Jesus, because they don't believe in the one, or they don't believe in the one mighty and strong, even though it's in the Bible. And they don't believe in Messiah ben Yosef, who I am, the Davidic servant. I don't know why, because it's all in the scriptures, but they don't believe that. They, everything is Jesus to them. So, so... When that when Jesus didn't return in 2014, after the death of Ariel Sharon, they started saying that Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori was a false prophet, even though he had seen Jesus Christ in the world. Really happy about the fact that he, you know, said that Jesus was Messiah, which the Jews don't do. Especially so. this guy had 300,000 people at his funeral. He was one of the greatest rabbis of our modern age. And he received many revelations, and he talked about these things. So, anyway, I'm turning the corner right here by the car wash. Oh, and I see you guys. All right, Emma, I'm going to just mute myself while I get my food from Kim, and then I will uh, I'll try to talk whenever, um, whenever I can. Uh, all right, I gotta, I gotta mute myself. Go ahead, Emma. Okay, that took a while. Business concerns, corporation affairs, and worldly matters should be only a small part of the activities of leaders in Zion. They should not depend on the labors of others for their support, but as Alma said, he also commanded them that the priests whom he had ordained should labor with their own hands for their support. Um, Moses 18.24, I think. Mosiah, one of those. And again, all their priests and teachers should labor with their own hands for their support. And all, in all cases, save it where we're in sickness or in much want, and doing these things, they did abound in the grace of God. Um, the same one, 27.5. In 1831, the Lord gave a similar warning to the Latter-day Saints. Now I, the Lord, am not well pleased with the inhabitants of Zion, for there are idlers among them, and their children are also growing up in wickedness. Wickedness. 
They also seek not earnestly the riches of eternity, but their eyes are full of greediness. DNC 68:31. And in 1832, he re- reiterated, and your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief. And because you have treated lightly the things you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation, and this condemnation resteth, or resteth upon the children of Zion, even all, and they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant. Even the Book of Mormon and the former commandments which I have given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written, that they may bring forth fruit, meets to their father's kingdom. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. DNC 84-54-58. We are on page 218. So, when we were put under condemnation, it was because we treated the Book of Mormon lightly, but also we treated the former commandments lightly. He's talking about the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Tanakh and the Brehat of Shah. God didn't do away with Torah. He, there are some things that were fulfilled, but he did not. He said, I do not come to do away with the Torah, not one jot nor tittle. And Paul and others, they continued to keep the feasts and the festivals of Jehovah. You know, so that's part of coming out of the condemnation is keeping God's holy days and uh, treating these things not treating these things lightly you know that's all part of uh, Zion's redemption we have to we're still in a cursed and rejected state the church is completely rejected because of what they did in Nauvoo as Jesus said I think it's in verse 40 I think it is Right around that area, he said that if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. And we don't. They didn't finish the temple, but we don't have United Orders. 16 million members, not one United Order. Billions of dollars and not one United Order. You know, uh, we do not live plural celestial marriage. We do not have the law of adoption among the church. It's out of order. Why? like Jesus said it would be. So anyway, I'm going to mute myself because then I'm going to break up a bunch up towards the power plant. Okay, I guess I'm going to continue then. Uh, uh, Mormon scholars have unsuccessfully searched um, the scriptures. Yeah, it doesn't say search. It says search. Like the single have unsuccessfully searched the scriptures, revelations, and the archives to see if this curse has been removed. Since the saints have failed to redeem Zion, they remain under this condemnation. The Lord continued to warn the Latter-day Saints that if they did not observe to do the things he had commanded, that they would be stricken with affliction, with pestilence, with plague, with sword, with vengeance, with devouring fire. DNC 97.26 Zion was supposed to have been redeemed by now. We could have been in the millennium. The temple in Jackson County should have been built, and Jesus Christ should have been cleared king of kings. As early as 1833, the Lord said, There is is even now already in store sufficient, yea, even in abundance, to to redeem Zion and establish her waste places. 
No more to be thrown down were the churches who call themselves after my name, willing to hearken to my voice. DNC 101.75 The Lord described how this redemption of Zion will come about. Behold, I say unto you, the the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power. And with a stretched out arm, as your fathers were led at the first, even so, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. B and C, 103, 15, 18. So far, this event has not happened, and we still await this man like unto Moses to lead us out of bondage. 2.19, anything to say, anyone? Um, if you can still hear me, um, it says that I will go before you. My presence will be with you. That's not Joseph Smith. The presence of God being with you is God's witness who I am being with you. That's what that means. Um, I'll talk more about that later on in the program. I know I'm going to break up here, so I'll mute myself again. Okay, well, you were coming in fine there. Zion today. So today we are, cl- are we closer or further away from the establishing this Zion? <laughs> are we in the same condition that Jeremiah described reg- being regarding the children of Israel? The ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feasts. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. Uh, LAM 1-4. I don't know what that one is. Why did the saints fail in redeeming the land, and why are we not living in Zion today? The Lord clearly explained that Zion cannot be built up unless it is by the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. Otherwise, I cannot receive her unto myself. DMC 105.5 The saints failed to live the higher laws in the center stake of Zion in Missouri, so they were expelled. During the four years at Nauvoo, there was not even an attempt to live the United Order. For example, so they were again driven out. They became like the children of Israel in the desert with only the hope of keeping Zion's laws. But here in the valleys of the Rocky Mountains, we have done worse than in Missouri and Illinois. For a few years after the pioneers arrived, an attempt was made to live in the United Order in plural marriage. But both leaders and members failed to continue those important laws. Thus, the church has gone astray from keeping all the laws of Zion, of Zion, and the redemption of Zion is seldom even mentioned. Saints and church leaders today dwell in false security. Spencer Kimball and many other church dignitaries have proclaimed, all is well in Zion, but this expression was not used until Zion was redeemed, as Nephi prophesied. And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they will say all is well in Zion yea Zion prospereth all is well and thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them uh, away carefully down to hell therefore woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion woe be unto him that crieth all is well yea woe be unto him that hearketh unto the precepts of man and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost Second Nephi twenty eight twenty one uh twenty four to twenty six. 
Uh, we are on page 220. Anything to say if you're there? Okay, well, you're breaking up a lot. <laughs> Being carnally secure does not mean all is old in Zion. Some leading men in the church have made millions of dollars, but this, not does, or this does not indicate an essential nor desired step towards building Zion. So what are the principles that led to establishing Zion? They were clearly explained by the, by the Lord. Uh, and the Lord called his people Zion, because they were of one heart and one mind, and dwelt in righteousness. And there was no poor among them. Moses 7. Thus the four major qualifications of Zion are, first, the people are all of one heart. All desires and goals are the same. Second, they are of one mind. They think of or they all think and believe in the same principles and doctrines. Third, they dwell in righteousness. No stealing, no lying, no murders, no prisons, no lawyers. Four, there is no poor among them. No millionaires, no homeless living under viaducts, and no starving nor unemployed. Under these provisions, do we qualify as Zion, or have we gone astray from celestial principles? Are any of the leaders in or out of the LDS church crying for Zion? When was the last sermon you heard pleading for us to redeem Zion? Zion is certainly not represented in Zion's mercantile, Zion's bank, Zion's book, Zion upholstering, Zion's insurance, Zion's credit, or Zion's roofing. Okay, we're on page 221, and man, there are a lot of businesses, Zion. <laughs> Anything to say? I think he's either breaking up or not talking. So, the community of Salt Lake has more crime per capita than nearly any other city of its size in the nation. It's been called the fraud capital of the country because so many cricket schemes are perpetrated here. Law-breaking and unethical and immoral conduct among business, government, and church officials continually make the news. Street gangs, prostitution, shooting, rape, robbery, and criminal activity are commonplace. Yet, in the midst of this corruption, most people seem to be content. Zion has fled socially, economically, politically, morally, and spiritually. We think, look, act, and work like the world, and educate, practice, and promote the laws of the world. We must certainly acknowledge that Zion has fled. The combination we live under, both as a church and as individuals, cannot be blamed on just the leaders or just the members. The blame is shared by both because of their transgressions. The Lord explained that the only way of the church or that the only way the church can be overthrown is because of transgression. This is my church and I will establish it, and nothing shall overthrow it save it is the transgression of my people. Mosiah twenty seven thirteen. Thus the people get what they deserve. The influences of Babylon have been with the church from the beginning. Brigham Young explained how it was in how it was in 1875. Show some of the elders of Israel according to their present conduct. A dollar on one side and eternal life on the other, and I fear they would choose the dollar. JD 305, or JD 18305. We are on page 222. Anything to say? Mom, are you there? I think you just got here. I can hear people yelling. I'm here. I just don't have anything to say uh, other than you're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, 
so for those of you who don't know, I'm not feeling very well. So, like, ugh. <laughs> and it's, like, making me stutter a bit more when I read and pause a lot. Anyways, I'm going to continue. That attitude has not changed. The Book of Mormon has been given to us to read, but only about 6% of the Mormon people have read it. As Moroni was about to bury the plates, he was permitted to look down through the centuries and saw us as we are today. He then left the following thought for those in our time to ponder. Flipping the page over. Oh, gosh, this is a long one. <laughs> Behold, I speak unto you as if you were present, and yet ye are not. But behold, Jesus Christ hath shown, un- shown you unto me, and I know your doing. And I know that ye do walk in the pride of your hearts, and there are none save a few only who do not lift themselves up in the pride of their hearts unto the wearing of very fine apparel, unto envying and strife and malice and persecutions and all manner of iniquities. And your churches, yea, everyone, or even everyone, have become polluted because of the pride of your hearts. For behold, ye do love money and your substance and your fine apparel and the adorning of your churches, and more than ye love the poor and needy, the sick and the afflicted. O ye pollutions, ye hypocrites, ye teachers, who sell yourselves for that which will canker, why have ye polluted the holy church of God? Why are ye ashamed to take upon you the name of Christ? Why do ye, you, uh, why do ye not think that the greater, or that greater is the value of an endless happiness than that misery which never dies because of the praise of the world? Why do ye adorn yourselves with that which hath no life and yet suffer the hungry and the needy and the naked and the sick and the afflicted to pass by you and notice them not yea why do ye build or ye why do ye build up your secret abominations to get gain and cause that windows should mourn that widows should mourn before the lord and also orphans to mourn before the Lord, and also the blood of their fathers and their husbands to cry unto the Lord from the ground for vengeance upon your heads. Behold, the sword of vengeance hangeth over you, or over you, and the time soon cometh that he avengeth the blood of the saints upon you, for he will not suffer their cries any longer. Mormon eight thirty five to forty one. Anything to say? We're on page two hundred and twenty three. Are you still hearing me? Hello? I can still hear you. Okay. Anciently, the children of Israel... Yeah, anciently. The children of Israel were in spiritual and temporal bondage for several hundred years. Then a deliverer, Moses, came and led them into the wilderness where they were supposed to learn the laws of God. Only a few remained faithful to the higher laws of the priesthood and were permitted to enter the promised land. History repeats itself with Brigham Young playing the role of a deliverer in the Salt Lake Valley as the wilderness. And only a few will go back to Jackson County to redeem Zion. But before that day, there must be a house cleaning and purifying process. The Lord described the redemption of Zion in a parable of the nobleman and his vineyard. See D&C 101, 44-58. The nobleman sent his servants out to do a job in the vineyard with some olive trees. But the servants soon became slothful and neglected portions of the work 
and hearken not unto the commandments of their Lord. Uh, verse 50. When the noble man returned, he asked, Why? What is the, case, or the cause of this great evil? Ought ye not to have done it even as I commanded you? Uh, verses 52 to 53. He then gathered up a small residue of the faithful servants and went straight away unto the land of my vineyard. We're on page 224. Anything to say? Are you back, Dad? I'll take this as a no. And when, or and then they accomplished the work of that those who were appointed had failed to do. Thus, from prophecy, scripture, and present day conditions, it is evident that Zion has indeed fled. And that's it. We're on page 255 at the beginning of chapter 16. Anything to say? Um. Nope, I do not. But you should say that um, we're going to do a little bit of a um, reading from the next chapter. Yep, and if you want to call in, the number is 917-889-9565. Yep, and if you want to call in, the call in number is 917-889-9865. Feel free if you call in if you have any of the three C's, questions, comments, or concerns. <laughs> and I'm going to preview the next chapter. All right. Chapter 16, Laws, Principles, and Ordinances. If the principles by which any of us attempt to save ourselves are contrary to the Bible, we may know they are man's teachings, not God's, for the Lord and his gospel remain the same always. Editorial Church News, June, or June 13th, June 3rd, I mean, 1965, page 16. Since we have commanded not to put our trust in the arm of flesh, um, where can we put our trust? The answer, of course, is in the Lord. For the Savior himself commanded, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Uh, Matt, I think that's Matthew 4.10. Uh, many scriptural passages make it very clear that we should put our trust only in the Lord. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation. And my high tower, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so I be saved, or so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Uh, Psalms, I think, 18, 1 to 3. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst, didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. Psalms 22, 4 to 5. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the nonsense pestilence. Or, no, the noisome, noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou thrust. His, the truth, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalms 91, 2-4. That was the end of page 226. Oh, man. Anything to say, anyone? Go ahead and keep reading. I am... Just still up at the PowerPoint. I'm coming down the hill now, so I should be able to come oh. down the hill within the next five. 
be in a good area where I'm not breaking up okay. so much. But yeah, the guest calling number yeah. is nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. For anyone with questions or comments, there's a chat room available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon as well. Try them out. Okay. I guess I'm continuing reading then. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in princess, princes. Psalms 118, 8 and 9. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. And the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Psalms 125, 1 and 2. The God of my rock, in him I will trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. My high tower and my refuge, my savor, thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. 2 Samuel 22, 3-4 And now verily, verily, I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good. Yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, and this is my spirit. B&C 11, 12 Let him trust in me, and he shall not be confounded, and a hair of his head shall not fall to the ground unnoticed. B&C 84, 116 These words should certainly leave certainly leave no questions as to where we should place our trust and the blessings that result. How do we as mortals, as saints, best serve him and put our trust in him? First, we need to learn and obey his laws, principles, and ordinances, though he instituted himself and though he has revealed through his true prophets. Righteous men in all dispensations are saved by obedience to the same eternal and unchangeable laws and ordinances of the gospel. 227. Anything to say? I'm going to take that as a no. Cain was the first person on earth to think he could change the laws and ordinances of God. Abel offered God a sacrifice that was accepted, which was the firstlings of the flock. Cain offered the fruit of the ground and was not accepted. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 58. Both made a sacrifice to God, and both did it with good intentions. Yet Cain was not accepted because he changed the ordinance. Men in our day night our day might change the laws, principles and ordinances with good intentions. As a sincere sacrifice and as an offering to God, but he cannot accept it. In the beginning Cain was a righteous man, he held the priesthood and his skin was white. He walked and talked with God and knew the gospel very well. But he made a serious mistake. He thought he could make some minor changes in an ordinance and not be justified, or no, and be justified in doing so. But when his sacrifice was not accepted, he became resentful on his, um, no, he became resentful and bitter, and feeling inferior to his brother, Abel slew him. Cain was cursed. He lost the priesthood, and his skin became black. He began to fight against God, and eventually became a son of perdition. This illustrates that even a minor change could lead to major consequences. The Lord also warned, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew 5.19 Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Matthew 7.14 And nothing we can do will broaden it. 
228. Anything to say to anyone? Almost. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're coming in fine. Okay, so real quick. Um, there is a principle here called the Kane principle, and what that is, Kane <clears throat> understood the correct way to do the sacrifices, to do the offering, to do all whatever, but he got it in his mind that he could do it how he wanted to do it instead of how God wanted him to do it. And that's part of the reason he was cursed. Um, also, Satan knows the truth. The veil has not been placed on his mind. So he wanted to get people. He always wants to get his cause in, into Zion or into true principles. And he was able to do that because of the jealousy of Cain towards his brother Abel. Cain was the oldest. Abel was the second oldest. As far as I, I think that's how it was. Anyway, but Satan got into his head and basically was like, why don't you just do it how you want to do it? Why go through the trouble of trading for a, uh, an animal with your brother? Why not just give the sacrifice that you have? And that wasn't the sacrifice that God asked for. Cain was very well aware of what God was asking for <clears throat> because God actually walked with these people, uh, which is another you know indicator that Jesus, when he said, I've not show, yet showed myself unto man. Jesus is not Jehovah. Jehovah was the one, the Elohim, who is over the first presidency of this earth. He's over it. So the church has the prophet, or the president of the church, and his two counselors, and above that is Jesus Christ. The same principle applies for this earth. Yehovah, our Elohim, or our Mighty One, who is a God, an exalted God, is over Michael, our Father, uh, and the creator of this earth, according to the endowment. And Jesus is his first counselor, and I am his second counselor. That's why I talk about being the second witness of the Father. Because uh, Jesus and I are both apostles of the Father. But anyway, going back, so Jehovah, or Jehovah, our Elohim, he was like, you know, this is the way it needs to be done, and Cain wanted to do it how Cain wanted to do it. He changed things. Uh, partly as a revelation given to him by Satan, even though God had, was clear about what he wanted. There was no mystery about it. So... Um, so because, and, and after Cain did what he did, Jehovah was like, you can repent, you know, repent. And Cain just grew harder and harder in his heart, and the curse came upon him because of the hardness of his heart. So that's a principle. Like when the leaders of the church, they say, oh, well, you know, the scriptures say this, but that was for a different time and for another people. That is Satan getting in there to change things. And they're following the same path that Cain followed. When they changed the endowment, they changed the washings and the anointings, they changed the gospel. Like, for instance, around 1880 was when they started teaching that Jesus and Jehovah were the same person, 
even though that contradicts Ether Chapter 3, also contradicts the dedication of the Kirtland Temple and other things, um, they are changing things that they are following the Cain principle. And they were already condemned in 1832, um, but they could have repented, but they didn't, and they got worse. By the time they got to Nauvoo, Jesus was like, okay, everything is ready for Zion's redemption. All you have to do is build this temple so that the Father can restore the fullness of the priesthood to the earth. And they didn't do it. So they were cursed and rejected according to section 124. And Brigham Young, who was a servant of God, I know people want to hate on him, but he was a servant of God, led the people out into the wilderness where Isaiah saw that they would be in the last days, in the highways at the top of the mountains and in the desert places. That is where we are, the cursed and rejected people. Now, there was supposed to be a gathering. There is supposed to continue to be a gathering, but Zion isn't going to be redeemed by these people because they make the excuses that Cain made in changing what God has asked us to do. So Isaiah saw that there would be a remnant led by the Davidic servants in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places. And that uh, Missouri doesn't even fit the description, but Emory County, Utah does. And it is Emory County that Isaiah saw. Emory, Sevier County, and south as we go down into Escalante, for the period of, of the great cursing or the the, the cleansing. So I, uh, Peter talked about it, and then also in section 112, I think it is, where, where great curses would come upon the house of God. Um, you know, and that, that still has to happen, the cleansing. But during that time when America is destroyed, and it will happen, it's already, we're in a period of strong delusion right now, actually, since 2015. That's why you're seeing all the junk that happens in the news, how everything is. It's because there is a curse on this nation for giving up the Constitution, which was inspired of God, and uh, giving in to Satan and his ways. So um, so there will be a cleansing upon this nation, and during that time, God has prepared a place of safety for the people. <laughs> Somebody was like, honk your horn. <laughs> anyway, uh, it'll be a place of safety where people can be during the cleansing period. And God has also told me, as his witness, to warn the people to leave the populated areas and that a staging place for uh, for being led in the highways of the top of the mountains and the desert places is actually Emory County, Utah, where I live, where I've been sent to. And, uh, and then the place of safety is actually down uh, northwest of, of Lake Powell. While this country is burning itself out in the wars and the riots and all the stuff that are coming, which we've began to see a little bit of, um, that's where we're going to be. And uh, it'll come. You're, you're seeing the signs for it now. But when the collapse happens, it'll be like a whirlwind or a tornado at night. You don't see them coming, 
you know, who's we know that they're out there now is because of the National Weather Service, and then you've got, like, these tornado sirens and stuff go off. But you don't see tornadoes at night. It looks the same way it's going to happen with the fall of the United States of America and Canada and all of all of this in North America. So, um, you know, you've got your warning, and... Uh, and I'm giving you my witness. And the other thing, too, even after all these things happen and people that know that what I'm saying is true, there will be so many that will be like, will mock me and mock the other witness. And eventually my blood will be shed uh, for my testimony. And we will lay in the streets. For three days and three nights, we will be mutilated beyond recognition. That's the Mark servant. First, the marring comes by um, slandering the witness and his reputation. But the fulfillment of the, the marring is the death of the two witnesses. And on the third day, they will see me and the other witness arise and... And then it says that in Revelations chapter 11, great fear will come upon them. And the reason for that is because they will have known that I prophesied and that I spoke these things and bore a plain and bold witness all these years. And they will have rejected me. And when they see me and the other witness rise up and go up in a rapture event with all of they who have received their priesthood from me because there has been a hard reset in 2013. <clears throat> um, Daniel chapter 12 talks about uh, scatter, uh, the man clothed in linen, the one mighty and strong Davidic servant. He would sever the power or scatter the power of all the holy people. Basically all that was was that because of the wickedness of the people, there had to be a hard reset where people could have their uh, baptisms and their ordinations and their priesthoods reconfirmed. And the priesthoods are for men and women. There is patriarchal and matriarchal priesthood. Um, but, that you know, that's all been done away with. Brigham Young actually talked about those things, and others talked about women using their priesthood. You know, but you don't even hear about it in the church today because the modern leaders, the Babylonian businessmen and false administrators that have hijacked the church, they want to throw everything down the memory hole, and they can't even hardly sip on the milk of the gospel, let alone the meat. So they just get rid of a bunch of stuff. But anyway, um, we don't have any phone callers, which is normal. Chat room's open, but nobody is asking any questions. You don't see anything, am I right? You've got the studio open. Yeah, I don't see anything. Okay. All right, so that's the end of the program today. Uh, tomorrow when we come back in, we'll talk more about the Kane principle and the laws and all of that stuff that Emma was reading about in the preview. And, uh, you know, we'll have our phone lines open just like we did tonight. Um, I do have Friday night and Saturday night off. I do have to go back to work. Uh, no. Thursday night and Friday night off, and then I have to go back to work uh, Saturday night. 
So uh, we'll try to do a program definitely tomorrow. We'll see what happens on Friday. I don't know. Sometimes on my days off, I just get so caught up doing all the stuff around the farm or whatever activity we're doing, and I forget. Uh, or I'm just not in a good place where I can do it, uh, the program. So whether we do it on Friday or not, who knows. But um, if you're interested in reading any of this stuff, I do run as the main administrator of a bunch of different pages and groups. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, and uh, School of the Prophets. Also, the pages are um, Zion's Redemption Radio Network, which is what this is, Zion's Redemption Bookstore, um, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. Um, There's a couple different ones. I used to be in Latter-day Unity. Uh, They made me one of the admins, but I wasn't the main admin. And Rick Bennett, who runs the podcast called Gospel Tangents, he doesn't like me because I don't I don't like. Okay, so he's a, he's a retired individual, does not need the money. He lives up on the bench uh, near Draper on the at the point of the mountain, and this is like his little uh, podcast. He likes sell mer- he makes the merchandise of the gospel which I hate and God hates. And, um, you know, he's making, he's not making a living because he already made a living. He's already very, uh, well, not very wealthy, but pretty wealthy. (coughs) And I've called him to repentance. Anyway, so he blocked me in that group, and he was not one of the admins. And one of the rules of the group was you're not supposed to block admins. So I warned him through uh, an alternative account, and I talked to Tyler Hines, who was the main administrator, and told him what was going on, and I wasn't getting any response, so the punishment for blocking admins is that you get banned from the group, and because I did that, Tyler Hines decided to kick me out of the group and re-admit Rick Bennett, even though Rick Bennett broke the rule of blocking an admin, and I was just uh, following the rules of the group. So, anyway, whatever. Um, so I'm not in that group anymore, and uh, whatever. I mean, they could do whatever they want. It wasn't my group to begin with. I was just an admin in that group. Anyway, so um, I am going to be done with the program for tonight. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on tomorrow. between 8 and 9. Take care, everyone. God bless, and goodbye.